welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's Ryan's book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always, live and in person, yeah, not like always, is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Ellen? It's fantastic. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. Today, we're going to be talking about Aisha at last by Uzma Jalaluddin. Sure. I hope I got that right. <laughs> and later, we are going to be talking about Jane Austen retellings and some of our favorites. But first, mom, what have you been reading? Okay, this is a little tricky one because I'm not real sure what our we've gotten kind of mixed up on our yeah, full episodes and part of, and mini episodes and whatever. I think the last time we discussed this, we were we did kiss kiss an angel. Yes. So I think that that's the last book we talked about. Um, so since then, I just I read all three of the London's Greatest Lovers collection um, by Lorraine Heath. So that was Passions of a Wicked Earl, Pleasures of a Notorious Gentleman. <laughs> Uh, as as they do. <laughs> well, these the historical romances always crack me up because yeah. their names are exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and then Waking Up with the Duke. So those were those three books. Mm-hmm. Then I read Crush the King from the Crown of Shards series by Jennifer, Jennifer Eastep. Which I which still need to finish. It's a fantastic book and a fantastic series. Yeah. Um, and then I read today's book. Aisha. Aisha. <laughs> we, we were trying to like figure out how to like pronounce everything and I'm sure I'm still going to screw everything up, but. Well, all the names, I just kind of like would recognize it and read on. And yeah. so I don't think I was pronouncing any of them correctly while I was reading. Yeah. Um, but so then I read today's book. So. Okay. So that's a lot more than I read, which is. Usually the way it is. Nothing. Um. I guess I should say that this week... Had a bad week, did you, Ellen? I didn't have the best. There's a reason why I'm out here visiting Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> well, mom... She needed her mom. Yeah. Mom was planning on coming out um, anyway. Right. But uh, it ended up being perfect timing because I did break up with my boyfriend this week. Um it was amicable, and I think I've felt it coming for a while. Uh, it's a little weird because there's a chance he could listen to this. I mean, if it were me, I would definitely listen to his <laughs> podcast, but whatever. See what he says about you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm not, um, I don't have any cause to shit talk or anything like that, but um, yeah, I've had better weeks. Um I will also say that it's looking like I'm going to be moving out uh, to where mom is and living with mom for a little while. So you'll get more of these (laughs) live and in person uh, podcasts for a while. Um, And yeah, so I'm excited to move on in so many ways. Yes. Um, well, I am excited to have you close by, my dear. Yeah. So. I, I've told people that, you know, I, because it's been kind of like if him and I broke up, I was going to move home. And so when I told people that we broke up, everybody's like, your mom's going to be so excited. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. Well, I wouldn't put it that way. I would have liked to have things go a different direction, but you know. Yeah. This is a good, you know, second it is. place. It's, it's so it's like a slightly bittersweet transition, we'll, we'll say. Um, anyway, so that's what's been going on with me this week. 
been listening to a lot of Lizzo, um, <laughs> watching some movies that like bring me joy. Mom and I watched Josie and the Pussycats today on a whim. Yeah, and sure. I and ten things I hate about you. And ten and... things I hate about you. And I've been watching like a lot of funny stuff. And um, but yeah, today we were watching Josie and the Pussycats and Ten Things I Hate About You. And I was channeling my like inner thirteen year old again. As I said, preteen Ellen. Or... <laughs> anyway, so. All that said, today we are going to be talking about Aisha at Last by Uzma Jalaluddin. It is a standalone book, as far as I can tell, that came out last year, and it is a modern Pride and Prejudice retelling. Um, The back cover description for this one is, Aisha Shamsi has a lot going on. Her dreams of being a poet have been set aside for a teaching job so she can pay off her debts to her wealthy uncle. She lives with her boisterous Muslim family and is always being reminded that her flighty younger cousin Hafsa is close to rejecting her 100th marriage proposal. Though Aisha is lonely, she doesn't want an arranged marriage. Then she meets Khalid, who is just as smart and handsome as he is conservative and judgmental. She is irritatingly attracted to someone who looks down on her choices and who dresses like he belongs in the 7th century. When a surprise engagement is announced between Khalid and Hafsa, Aisha is torn between how she feels about the straightforward Khalid and the unsettling new gossip she hears about his family. Looking into the rumors, she finds that she has to deal with not only what she discovers about Khalid, but also the truth she realizes about herself. Um, so there you go. Okay, Mom, what did you think of Aisha at last? Helen. I loved this book. I gave it a five stars on Goodreads. I enjoyed reading it for multiple layer aspects of it. And um, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I think I can just about give it a love. Um, There are... I think there were some pacing issues for me. But as I was telling Mom... There's pacing issues for me with Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. <laughs> so you could, just because, like, when you get to that point where it's, like, you know, they're in love and it's fun, and then Lydia and Wickham come in and kind of ruin everything. So, like, when you're watching the five-hour Pride and Prejudice, that, like, fourth hour, I'm like, gosh, dang it, Lydia. You got to <laughs> screw everything up. Um, and, and you're taking all the time away from the people who we want to see get yeah, together. exactly. So I think... I have the similar pacing issues, but I, I, yeah, I think I'm going to give this one, I, I will give this one a love. Um, I loved getting to know more about the Muslim faith, and um, I mean, if you ever want to teach me about anything, putting it in a Pride and Prejudice retelling <laughs> is always, like, the surest way. Calculus in Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if you want to make it as palatable to me as possible... Put it in a Jane Austen retelling. Um, so I, I thought that was great. And I really like a lot of the stuff that she did with the adaptation, which we're going to get into. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was great as well. I, a thoroughly enjoyable read. And like you said, I loved getting to know more about a culture that I don't know much about. Yeah. And um, yeah, just throwing that into it made it. A fun read. Yeah. Um, okay, what did you think of Aisha as our heroine? Aisha was fantastic. I thought she was great. She had some growing and developing that she needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, anyone who gets tired of being a substitute teacher after a few months, I get it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that would be the worst job. I mean, I did it. I was the long-term sub for a while and, um, it's horrible. It's a horrible, yeah. and she was bouncing around from classroom to classroom. She was like a permanent sub yeah. for that school, which is a, um, which is a thing that they do. And, um, but I was like a sub in a classroom and, um, like for a long period of for time, for a long period of time. And it was absolutely horrible. <laughs> yeah. What, as I've been like, cause I'm looking for a new job, I'll say that. And, um, I was telling mom, like, what's like the substitute teacher thing? Like, could oh I do gosh. that fairly easily? And she's like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> I guess in some districts it's not bad. In my particular district, in fact, when I retired, I had so many friends coming to me and saying, are you going to sub? Are you going to sub? And I was like, no, there's no way on God's green earth I'm going to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they were a little disappointed because they would have liked to have had a seasoned teacher for a yeah. you know, a go-to sub. But um, yeah, no, that's it's a horrible, horrible thing. <laughs> Um, well, and she, you know, also on top of that realizes that maybe teaching is not for her, um, because she's this... Well, at least because she had other aspirations. Yeah, her, her true passion was this spoken word poetry, and, um, and so she kind of wanted to explore that and see where that She should have maybe gone into teaching literature or English instead of... Yeah, I did, like, I did keep thinking with her, like... Well, maybe we shouldn't base it solely off of being a substitute for PE right. and math. And that was the like, only thing that got me through the long-term sub thing. Was like, please tell me that teaching in my own classroom is better, which it is. Yeah, but um, yeah, but yeah, but obviously, it her passion still was very much with the poetry and um, and you know now she's marrying a guy who's got money and yeah. he just fell into a lot of money because he got that twelve million dollar deal. With oh, yeah, the that's right with the with the lingerie company. the lingerie company. <laughs> go figure yeah um, but yeah I really loved her I love that she's faithful but has like a softer approach to it um, which I think mom and I can relate to a bit um, <laughs> <laughs> and because um, I think it's safe to say that we are uh, less less orthodox in our faith than. Maybe oh, other I have people tell me all the time. <laughs> Wait, what? You're a what? <laughs> um, but I thought her approach was a good contrast to his approach, which is yeah. very much more fundamentalist. They call him a fundy, um, and uh, he has very much more strict and uh, orthodox. Yeah. Uh, well, and you know, like feeling like he has to be that way, or else. He's not a good person. Yeah. And I think that there's degrees of, I can be this way and still be a good person. Well, and I, I, we'll talk about his journey when we get to him in just a second. Um, But I, yeah, I really liked, and it's just like Pride and Prejudice where I really like her kind of, her more spirited, um, like, sense of humor and she's much more kind of lively and spunky and that's kind of what draws him to her right. is um, I wrote down this line because there's so when they have their initial you know much akin to Pride and Prejudice where he kind of insults her and she overhears it she's he says like I don't want to deal with somebody that's a Muslim in a bar like right. 
I don't want that kind of girl. And so later he like is kind of watching her sleeping at the mosque and, um, and she wakes up and sees him and she says, I have to go. I try to stay away from the type of Muslim who stares at sleeping women in prayer halls. <laughs> and that moment was really funny it to was me. Funny. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked her as a character. I thought she was a great Lizzie Bennet, you know, archetype. And, uh, yeah. Anything else to say on her? No, I thought she was fabulous. Okay. What did you think of Khalid? I loved little Khalid. Yeah. <laughs> I get that he isn't little, but, um, you know, he was struggling with a lot of things. And yeah, he had a lot going on. He had a lot going on. And his, it's like he had this perfect setup and everything was, like, lined up in his life. And then, like, every, it all and, went and to it was fine when everything was lined up and perfect. Yeah. And then once things started, like, shifting around, then he was... It kind of threw him for a loop. Well, and things started shifting around, and I also think that he needed to he needed to face some of the things that he was putting on the back burner, like what was going on with his sister. And well, and just the whole thing about yeah, mom, just take care of my life, so yeah. I don't have to worry about it. And like, I think in the back of his mind, he realizes like maybe my mom shouldn't be like controlling my life this much, but he doesn't really call it into question. And then as things start to develop, he he realizes that becomes more of a priority. And um, so I really liked that journey. Um, so I actually respect that he, I loved that he was very principled and faithful and all of that stuff. Um, I do like that there's a, a slight softening and I, and, and it's a good, it's a good Mr. Darcy, you know, because he all, Mr. Darcy also realizes like, okay, Maybe in my approach, I've been more judgmental than I should be. And, you know, when she calls him out and she's like, you're being a hypocrite right now. Like, yeah, you know, and um, and so I think he realizes he needs to be less judgmental. And um, but I did like about him that, you know, when people call into question why he, you know, wears the robes and the skull cap and the long beard and stuff, um. He's like, why should I hide the fact that what what I believe in? You know, right. why should that be something that I like hide under a bushel? Yeah, <laughs> so no, and I, I coming from another strict religion, not, maybe not as visual or as I don't want. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> I was gonna say we are maybe as strict, <laughs> but I mean, I'm I'm trying to say, uh, and and it doesn't come with the. What stereotypes. Yes, yes, thank and you. The, yeah. yeah, and the negative feelings that, I, I mean, I hate to say it that way, but that some people have towards that um, particular look yeah. and that. But, um, I mean, I've seen what I would call fundamentalist Christians that I think, how can you call yourself a Christian when you treat people this way? Just because that judgmentalness comes even from fundamentalist Christians. Absolutely. And, yeah, probably more so. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and that's my thought is, how can you call yourself a Christian when you're treating people this way or acting yeah. this way? So um, everyone should be a perfect Christian like me. <laughs> I'm joking. That's not... <laughs> it's funny because it's not true. <laughs> yeah. Lots of growth potential in me. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you can turn it around and see it even in, in ourselves, I think, sometimes. Yeah. Um, so mom and I were talking about this separately, but, um, 
we were saying about, like, because he ends up getting a makeover, and Mom was saying that she almost, like, was a little sad that that happened. Right. Well, I, it was kind of the, the grease effect. Yeah. Is, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's too bad that he had to have this makeover. Slutify himself. <laughs> I don't know, slutify himself. But, you know, he had to make himself fit in more, yeah. which was a little sad but then once they get together she's like i, I, I kind of like the beard grow the beard back yeah. up. I was like, oh, you go girl yeah well and i like yeah that she she makes comments but yeah like when he does end up making that change she's kind of like i miss all that stuff yeah like, i'm i like you know. the old college yeah um yeah uh i think the hottest thing about mr rc for me has always been how emotionally repressed he is and maybe i should look into that <laughs> and be concerned about that um but I think in this setting and, you know, with their faith, he fits very well into that archetype. And, um, yeah, so I thought it all worked really well and that she was able to kind of pull a lot of the key characteristics from Darcy and put him into a, a Muslim man who is much more structured and, yeah. and strict in his faith. Um yeah, I I was telling mom that because um, there's a brief mention that he had kind of like a bad boy phase and then later he like ends up smoking with her, her grandpa and I was like, I kind of want to know more about this bad boy phase. Like, I want to see a, a flashback of this. <laughs> what exactly did this comprise of? <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought, um, you know, he's not the swooniest or most bantery romance hero, but I thought he was very swoony in his own different way, which I found to be refreshing and interesting and... Well, and kind of grumpy hero alert. Yeah, definitely. And totally virgin hero alert. Yeah, which are both (laughs) things that we like here. Jeez. Um... Anyway, so that was Khalid. Okay, Mom, what did you think of this as an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice? There's obviously very, like, direct ties to it. Well, there's some direct ties. I liked how she kind of, like, twisted some characters or combined some characters or made some characters a little more palatable than they are in the Pride and... For for example, the Masood, was that his name? character who was um coming on to i'm not gonna say her name right aisha aisha Aisha. and um was obviously the mr collins character and um he was annoying in a more charming way i want to say in a different way yeah in a different way and you know he obviously um you know, in the book he ends up with Charlotte, but in this book he ends up with the Lydia character. And um, anyway, so the way some of it turned around and changed, well, and I thought it was—I thought it was well done the way she made little tweaks and changes in some of the characters and their storylines. Yeah, and you've got her friend, who's kind of the Jane character. Uh-huh. You've got um, uh, his mom, who is the Lady Catherine de Bourgh character, very obviously. Um, and then Tarek, who's the Wickham, and... Her auntie, who is, like, the mom, Mama Bennett. I yeah. Know, I can't remember her name. <laughs> Mrs. Bennett. Mrs. Bennett. 
Um, let's kind of take it step for step. So I, cause I really loved what she did to adapt it. Like you were saying, just the, the changes, but kind of skewing it in a way to make it more her own and things like that. Um, and make it more enjoyable to read because if it was just word for word, you know, like Pride and Prejudice, it would take some of the joy well, out of it. And cause there's been a few adaptations of Pride, Pride and Prejudice in particular of, um, I think that there's something to be said for taking, if you're going to do a modern day approach to Jane Austen, to make it a more faith-driven people. Right. Um, so we have this, we have Bride and Prejudice, there's an, a Mormon <laughs> Pride and Prejudice, which um, I think when you take people who are more repressed we'll say that it works it's more in line with the regency you know jane austen retelling because repressed or is that what we're gonna call them? yeah <laughs> <laughs> well let's call a spade a spade here um but i think when i think that that seems to transition well if you're doing a modern day approach well, to a Jane people Austen. with more old-fashioned values and i'm using finger quotes but yeah yes exactly um okay so their initial misunderstanding in this book it is rather than you know at a ball where she hears him kind of slight where she hears him sliding her um they go to a lounge it's not a bar it's not a bar <laughs> it's a lounge um <laughs> where she's gonna do some spoken word poetry and he kind of makes a comment about how he wouldn't have anything to do with a, a muslim girl who's at a hanging out at a bar and he kind of judges her for being a muslim and, girl well, at a bar. he's there hello yeah and and yeah that's true yes <laughs> i know i thought that too but he's like if you, you can't be in a hijab and be at a bar that's those two things don't go together and um and he kind of gives her some crap about it and she similarly says well you're here what the <laughs> heck um and then their failed or proposal uh which is a key moment in pride and prejudice is in this book um it's quite a ways into the story like i was surprised yeah it's like this is the proposal because we're at like 80 percent. well because in this one you know in pride and prejudice there's the failed proposal and then they start falling in love right in this one they fall in love and then there's the failed proposal but the failed proposal happens because um he lets his mom arrange a marriage he thinks it's because she's been pretending to be her cousin at these... For, um, for various reasons. For various reasons. <laughs> um, he thinks that she's en- he's going to be engaged to her. But in fact, he ends up engaged to her cousin. And um, he tells her, like, his feelings cannot be ignored. He has to... Yeah. He wants to marry her. And she's like, you're doing this when you're still engaged to my cousin? And... Um, and he makes all the similar Mr. Darcy blunders where he... He puts down her poetry. He puts down her, her family, job. He puts her, down her family. Yeah, he just... yeah Puts down her faith. Puts down, you know, all this, all that stuff. And so he makes a right hash of it. And um, she calls him on it, much as she does. As in, you would expect in, in a Pride and Prejudice. Prejudice. <laughs> and there's the letter and everything like that. Um... And then the Wickham and Lydia in this one are her cousin, who's Hafsa, I hope I'm saying that, and then Tarek, who's been um, 
planning this conference with them and it turns out that he's like putting nudie like I don't know about nudie but nudie but they were yeah it was like a porn site with Muslim girls yeah where they're unveiling yeah unveiled mm, yeah, Muslim girls Muslim girls and so he puts up pictures of her she he like runs off with her and he supposedly steals this money from the mosque which is looking like it's gonna have to close um that gets resolved you know because it turns out that he was just trying to get back at Khalid's family yeah um and he gets his revenge oh, and yeah it was beautiful <laughs> well <laughs> yeah we'll talk about her in in a little bit um and then you know they have the reconciliation where once all this is figured out no the revenge i loved was the revenge to Tarek and his website oh, okay yes that was the beauty revenge yeah that that, that was good um yeah so beat for beat um i thought she took those major beats that we all know and love from Pride and Prejudice and did a good job of kind of um, adding some mystery to the story with, you know, what is going on with Tarek, what is going on with uh, Khalid's sister. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought it all, like, adapted yeah. very well. And I love, like, her brother, whose name is Idris, which I gotta get behind. Um <laughs> Her brother helping him out with the whole thing, and yeah. and then his friend Amir helping him and kind of getting his life back in order, and yeah. Uh, yeah, there were little aspects of this that were kind of thrown in that were a little different from the original telling. Yeah, and I loved all that. I loved. However, you say this is a standalone, but now I'm like, I want to see a Amir story, and yeah. I want to see an Idris book, and I want to see. Yeah, <laughs> I want. I want to hear, see everybody else's stories. Mom, what were we just watching? Where. Oh, we were watching Dr. Thorne, and I was like, I'm too trained in romance because, like, it ended, and I was like, well, what the heck? I want to see that person's story and that person's story. I want to see story. that and that. <laughs> How can you just have a, a story where one couple gets together and I mean, not throw out any, not throw us any other stories? How can this just be a standalone? <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about some of the side characters. So, Sheila. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I have not hated someone in a romance book this much in a long time. Yeah. She is the worst. She's the worst. Um, she's basically there just to be a complete heinous bitch uh, the whole time. She was a terrible person. Yeah. Um, she was racist and, and all sorts of things. Well, and she kept calling it like, I've lived in Saudi Arabia, so I'm not racist. And it's like... Well, obviously, that's what made you racist. Yeah. <laughs> you were so unhappy there that this is your thing. Yeah. But um, she was just terrible. Yeah. She was no good. Um, I did... She was good in... I mean, I only like her because she gave him that lingerie job, um, <laughs> which she was doing to, like, throw him... Yeah, know. and she would plan meetings and then not send him emails about it and yeah. just all kinds of things like that. Yeah. And, um, 
But she was trying to, like, screw him over, and so she's like, I'm going to give him this crappy little lingerie job, which she then finds out is, Which she knew he would be super embarrassed about, and and it was completely out of his comfort zone. Yeah. And was just... And kind of, like, a demotion job-wise to make this website, because he was doing bigger and better things. He was, like, a manager in another department. But, um... And and then, but I have to say, I loved all those little ladies that yeah. worked at, and I don't, you know, I'm using the term little, but yeah. um, I loved all those ladies who worked at the lingerie the place. plus just, size yeah, lingerie. Just taking them under his wing and yeah. like, we we like you. You're going to stay with us. <laughs> yeah. Just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, they were super cute. I loved them. Um, so... I mean, I would have loved, honestly, if she had gotten more comeuppance because she was just, like, I think the most irredeemable of all these people that are in the book. Horrible person. Um, Let's talk about Zarina, who is his sister. Uh And um, he spends the bulk of the book um, convinced that his sister is miserable and unhappy, and that's why he keeps sending her this money because he has some like guilt and regret over how things went down with his sister and he probably should have some guilt and regret about how that all went down but um but he was only what 13 or something when she left i mean he wasn't very old yeah so there's four years between yeah, them and, and she was 17 yeah and um so i mean he shouldn't have a lot of guilt about it yeah. but i can see him being concerned about how things went down yeah um but then he kind of finds out that because um, she ended up getting sent to India and into forced this, into a marriage. Yeah, forced into a marriage, and um, and he's convinced that she's miserable. And then she kind of goes missing for a chunk, where he's very worried about her. Um, and then she turns up pregnant on his doorstep. <laughs> and um, however, yeah. not in a, not in a bad way. Yeah, exactly. It's um, he she's coming back to Canada because she wants to have that life for her child and she wants to get her husband with her out into Canada. And, um, and she talks about how terrible she was to this husband when they first got married, but he was such a good guy and so patient with her. Yeah. And then she talks about just this wonderful life that she's had with this guy. So she, and that he's been really good to her and like, she was super happy and, and one of those situations where she, had this arranged marriage, but then fell into love with her husband. And, um, I really liked that as, as a resolution to that, that side plot, you know? And, um, I thought it was actually really sweet. And, um, you know, are are you going to ask me a question later about the arranged marriage thing? No, go ahead. Okay. Cause this is the thing that I really liked about the book is you don't leave the book thinking, oh, arranged marriages are the worst thing ever. Because I don't think that that's necessarily the case. It was a bad situation for Khalid in that his mother was trying to be manipulative. and mm-hmm. and But I think parents who have their child's best interest at heart and are not just being um, you know, worried about themselves and what they're getting out of well, it. Well, and I don't think that... I mean, like, I think the parents did have her best interests in heart. I don't think they necessarily picked Zarina's husband with right. the best right. interests. They just wanted she just to kind lucked of... out. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think, like, I don't want to stomp on everybody's customs here because this is, for some people, this is a custom for them and yeah. the arranged marriage thing. And were I to arrange a marriage? <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm kind of to the point where I'm like, 
Sign me up for this arranged marriage deal. Like, honestly, I don't care at this point. But uh, anyway, um, I, I liked that it left you kind of, you know, sometimes they work out. Sometimes it's not the best way or setup. But um, anyway. Yeah. Well, I, and it's, and it kind of seems like you walk away from it more like, yeah, if I not, don't negate the customs, right. but if. Um, if you can harbor a little love opportunities beforehand, that's great. And let's try and do that if possible. Um, so I, yeah, I really liked, I liked that whole side plot with the sister. Um, Clara, what did you make of Clara? (laughs) I, I liked Clara, I think. And I liked her, well, I loved Khaled calling her boyfriend out on, you know, yeah. what, what's the matter with you? <laughs> I, I highlighted the line. I didn't write it down, but I highlighted the line where, like, they're at dinner with Clara and Rob, who, like, won't freaking commit. And, um... Ten years. They've been together ten years, and they're not married. And, um... And Colette's kind of, like, calling Rob out, like, well, what's wrong with you? And and he's like, it's, she doesn't need me to sign a piece of paper. Like, she knows I'm committed, and he's like, you know... Just you being here is just not... yeah. Just you being in the relationship is not com- like progression. It's inertia, yeah. you know. And I'm like, amen, brother. <laughs> but um, let's talk about her as an HR representative. Yeah. Because <laughs> as soon as Sheila started saying anything about you know the way he dressed, the way he acted, you know his he wasn't supposed to touch women who weren't he wasn't married to, and so yeah. he didn't shake hands with women. Well, and it's not like. Because there's other people that are in the office who who will shake hands with a woman, but he had made this commitment. Yeah, that okay. he was not going to do that. And so people were like judging him because it's like other people do it. What's wrong with you? And yeah. Well, and they saw it as a slight against women. Yeah. Well, really it's it's more of a um respect for women. Yeah. But um anyway, when she started calling that stuff out, Clara should have been on that and if she threatened Clara's job because of it Clara should have been gone right up above her head and said this is what's going down and we are going to get our pants suit off if this goes any further yeah um yes and I'm glad that she helped in the end because that helped redeem some of what I was like oh like this does not seem like appropriate HR (laughs) behavior um because like I can say from my position now like we have to worry about the tiniest slightest things with hr and so something like this where there's a superior who is just like obviously yeah being so discriminatory that it's ridiculous and um threatening jobs and trying to fire people just because she doesn't like the cut of their jib and robes um (laughs) you know that uh yeah, she, so that was slightly disappointing. But I did, I did like, um, and I thought it was, I thought the ending resolution, I, I liked how she helped, you know, tie that, that loose end up. And I did like um, her having Khaled go and like propose on behalf of yeah, her. Yeah, that was cute. <laughs> um, so I thought that was cute. Um, let's talk about Farzana, which I hope I'm saying like somewhat appropriately. Um who is Khaled's mother. mother. Um, so she's kind of an interesting character because she 
she's kind of awful through most of the book and she you know she's a she's definitely mama bear yeah um and then she to really the extreme yeah and then she really gets a slice of humble pie to right. be sure um I still left kind of feeling somewhat sorry for her. Well, I think you're supposed to. I think yeah. even um, Aisha yeah. <laughs> um, felt sorry for her. And, you know, you could see that there was going to be some reconciliation there. And the whole thing where Nani yeah. goes and, you know, tells her, you've got to, you're playing a game. That's, where you're going to come out you're gonna losing come, everything. You're going to lose everything. Yeah. And um, she just kind of leaves it at that and walks away. And then later, in the end of the story, Khaled's mom is like, I've done it. I've I've lost everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, just because she was trying to be so manipulative with her children instead of loving and accepting, as a mother should be. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was... You you do feel sorry for her at the end. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean... When, because mom and I were both reading it here together at the same time, and um, I I made comments about like, gosh, his mom is like pissing me off, like she's horrible. Um, but then when that whole thing goes down where she gets humiliated in front of the whole mosque, mosque. and things like that, um, you do feel sorry for her just because it's like she didn't deserve quite that, you know? Because I do think. Her intentions are good. She's just going about it completely the wrong way. And um, she learns from that, hopefully. And um, hopefully she ends up being good to her daughter-in-law. And I hope so. Well, I think she will have no other choice because I don't think Aisha's going to, like, put up with it. No, and I I don't think Khaled will anymore either, so. Yeah, so, um, anyway... Those are some of the the side characters that I wanted to chat about. Um, Let's talk about lack of sex, baby. I mean, this is, like, beyond lack of sex. Yeah. They touch one time (laughs) in this whole book. She brushes his beard a couple times with... Well, she brushes... Only the one time, and he grabs her hand because she's not supposed to be touching him. Yeah. And then there's the spark. Yep. And that's all we get. Yep. I mean, that is it. But, um... Uh... But I told Ellen, like, partway into the book, I was like, there's no way there can be a sex scene in this book. It just yeah. won't fit in this story at all. Yeah. And it would be uh, disappointing, really, to yeah. have had any kind of a sex scene yeah. in there. I said, I even said, like, well, maybe after they get married, like, there could be, like, some insinuation about, like, there could be, like, a fade to black or something. And mom <laughs> was like, no. <laughs> no, I don't even want, because yeah. I don't want to know about what happens with them after they're married. That's, it's yeah. their private thing. And yeah. I, I don't want to be part of that yeah um but i thought it was just really well done and there was just enough romance and and stuff going on that it you didn't need it well and we've talked about this with other other books where there's not a sex scene but it's very much in keeping with the tone of the tone and you know content of the book so um, okay, what was your swooniest moment? Okay, Mom? I do have a swooniest moment. I have one too, and I have a feeling it's going to be the same one. But okay. continue. <laughs> when they are preparing for the engagement party, and he thinks he's going to be marrying mm-hmm. Hafsa, who he thinks is Aisha. Aisha, 
and he walks in and he's so excited to see her and he's just so happy so happy that he's marrying her yeah and he's brought her this gift and um he gives her and it's a notebook for her to write her poetry in yeah. and it was just so so sweet and it and had like the little inscription that was like when i see you i see my future yeah and... it was just so so sweet and then it just all fell apart <laughs> Yeah, that that was also mine, just when he was so happy, when he thinks he's engaged to her, and she even, like, sends him a text beforehand, because she, and she asks, like, are you happy? happy? And he says, yeah, I'm getting everything I want, (laughs) and it's like, she's just, she's reading. She thinks that he thinks he's marrying her cousin, that he's happy because he's not marrying her, Yeah. and I told Ellen, I said, why can she not see that he thinks he's marrying her? (laughs) Why can't he see, she see that? And, um... So she's just going to back off and let it go because, you know, he's yeah. happy that he's marrying her cousin. and But all along he thought he was marrying her and that's why he was so happy. Well, and just when, when he comes in and it becomes very apparent to her that like, oh, he thinks he's marrying me. And um, just like how heartbreaking yeah, that whole super heartbreaking. scene was. And he had become so comfortable and warm towards her and then he just had to turn it all off yeah and it was just heartbreaking to watch him crawl back inside himself again and just like when she she like goes into the bathroom during the engagement party and is just like sobbing i was like oh my (laughs) gosh you guys this is so sad um okay let's hear from some of the listeners literally here let's literally hear from some of the listeners we got two video our audio recordings this uh this week from some listeners let's start by listening to what Catherine had to say about this book as y'all know i really loved this one i thought that it was the perfect retelling it has everything that you love from Pride and Prejudice and it couldn't be written without Jane Austen and Jane Austen could have never written a book like this so I thought it really in tandem just made a beautiful book with no cardboard cutout characters and everything people were doing made sense. Um, I thought the scenes with the underwear company were really funny and sweet. And I wonder how this book reads for someone who's never read Pride and Prejudice versus people who've read it before. Um, and I've never like been to Canada, so just imagining what it's like to be in Canada is kind of fun too um, as well. I really hope you guys love this book um, as much as I do. Thanks, Catherine, for sending that in. Um, I... I agree. I liked your comment about, like, it couldn't have been told without Jane Austen, and Jane Austen could have never written this book. Um, And I would be interested to know, like, someone who's never read... I think it would still read fine if you weren't familiar with Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, I I definitely think so. Um, I have a hard time thinking anybody who would pick up a romance story would not be, like peripherally aware of Pride and Prejudice and its moorings, but I guess that could happen. Those people do exist. Yeah. I don't know any of them, but... As far as Canada, I have not been to Toronto, but I did live in northern Maine, which we were like 10 minutes south of 
the Canadian the border. The Canadian border. Canadian. And um, so I'd been to like St. John's, New Brunswick and that area over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so thanks for sending that in. Um, and I, I think, as you can tell, we, we did love it. Um, we'll, we'll end with another audio comment, but here's some of the other listener comments that came in. Um, Cassie said, if this book had focused solely on the relationship between Aisha and Khaled, it would have easily been a five-star read for me. I loved their relationship development, the scenes where Khaled thought he was engaged to Aisha before he knew her real name, and he was so excited and giddy, absolutely broke my heart. Same girl. But I ended up rating this book four stars. I really, I still really liked it. I just think it was trying to do too much and the pacing of the story was impacted. There were a lot of side characters and plot lines that I think should have been edited out. Overall, this was a very enjoyable read, and I was engaged throughout most of the book. Also, the cover is so visually pleasing. Yeah, I do really like the cover. Um, I I think I mentioned this earlier, but I think in trying to do a Pride and Prejudice retelling, there's just a lot of stuff that goes down in that book that is not solely Darcy and Elizabeth related. Right. And it's like I said, there's that chunk that where they're not together. I mean, there's large chunks of the book where they are not together and they don't you know, see each other. And, um, and so I think trying to incorporate that is always going to lose some of the Darcy and Elizabeth plot. Um, and, but I do get that that does get bogged down a bit sometimes. Um, Marcia sent in an email. She said, I'm a big Jane Austen fan and I, and have read a crazy amount of fan fiction, especially a PMP. Which I I did. Um, Ellen wrote a fan fiction. I did write a fan fiction. (laughs) And there is a lot of really good, like, Pride and Prejudice fan fiction out there. So if you... I'm not including my my own in that. But but if you like this, like, there's a lot of free content out there that is actually, like, pretty quality. Um, Anyway... She says, so I really enjoy digging into this book. I think a lot of aspects of the original story translate really well into this modern setting. In a similar way, the film adaptation Bride and Prejudice did as well with social interactions and family expectations. I think the story not only addresses the prejudices the characters have towards each other, but possibly the reader's prejudice towards Islamic culture as well. Yeah, good point. Um, She said, there were many things I loved about this book. The heroine is older than the hero. The hints, I yeah, I thought that that might be the case. Oh, I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah. It, it's just by a little bit, though, because I think she's 27 and he's 26. Yeah. Um, the hints to the source material and little bits and pieces of the dialogue. Your defect is a tendency to judge everyone, Aisha said. And yours, he said with a smile, is to willfully misunderstand them. Um, the food descriptions, they maybe want to try oh making or at least taste them. Yeah, yeah I was telling food mom. descriptions were, I was telling mom, I'm uh, like, I really want to order Indian food now. Um, the author has a way with words. Whatever he was about to say, it could wait. A bit of space would help his words expand and grow soft. Yeah. Um, like the... Like- the thing they were making, which yeah. I'm not going to remember the name of. The parta, I think is how you say it. Uh, the setup, like a Shakespeare comedy with mistaken identity, lots of other characters, and several couples matching up in the end. The blind date scene with Masood, where Idris set up cameras and basically told Masood <laughs> to talk to the plant, was hilarious. <laughs> uh, she says, all the side characters. I was so glad that his sister's reasons for leaving India was not what we were led to believe. 
Um, she said, oh gosh, that heartbreaking scene that started out so sweet when Khaled gives Aisha the engagement gift of the notebook and then finding out Aisha is not the one he's engaged to. Sad face. Yeah. Also a couple expect, um, also a couple expectations that did not get fulfilled. There were several mentions of Khalid proposing to, oh, Khalidjit, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get that right, uh, Khadijaj, uh, proposing to Pro- Prophet Muhammad and she was older than him just like Aisha and Khalid and that made me hope Aisha would propose to him in the end but no yeah um but it did it was I think that was the setup for Clara proposing right. to Rob right um and then and for Aisha being older than him yeah and then she says I absolutely understand the no sex in this book even the no kissing but I felt like the way the slight and accidental touches were described throughout. The story was building up to at least an intentional touch and hand-holding. I mean, even Khaled even shook uh, Sheila's hand in the end, and I thought, no, 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 hate, hate Sheila. Um, (laughs) Save that touch for her, for Aisha. Yeah, and she says, thanks to the two of you for creating a joyous hour to listen to every week. She says, all my love from the rainy Netherlands, Marcia. And she said, question, do you have a deadline by what time the two cents have to be sent in before you record the episodes? Well, um, we were trying really hard to record on Thursdays. Yeah. But then that all kind of fell apart. That all fell apart. So now it's pretty much Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, it's, you know, we record Sunday night and then I release it like three hours later. So um, that's usually how that goes. So if you can just get it in before Sunday, it's probably good. Probably good that you'll chance that you'll get into the podcast um but third before thursday is the surest way to make sure um it just kind of depends on what's been going on what's going on um aida says some 20 years ago there was a telenovela that showed muslim characters in rio and this book brought me some very fond memories i loved the grandparents the main couple and even loved to hate the villains it also reminded me of pride and prejudice in a secondary manner just like the movie adaptation, the one with Kira Knightley, it didn't show that specific form of affection in the end, and it worked. Um, Lori says, I read this sometime last year, and I can't speak to a lot of details because, well, I've slept since then. Girl, same. <laughs> uh, however, what I do remember is that I really enjoyed this book. Maybe even loved it. I thought it was an excellent PMP retelling. The cultural, social, and religious framework of this retelling worked so well for creating necessary obstacles to make the story work in a modern setting. Perfectly said, which is what I was trying to say earlier. Uh, For example, it seems like so many retellings just have the Darcy character standoffish and aloof because he's basically a snob, but Khaled's motivations for keeping himself separate made sense to me in a really authentic way that helped me understand him more fully as a character. Bottom line, I know when I finished this book, I thought it was very well written and basically an extremely satisfying read. Especially, I should note, for a first book, she did it. A great job. Yeah, definitely. Um, Natalie says, I enjoyed this book, and it's a great time to read it as Ramadan just started. Didn't even... Didn't even know that. Just perfectly lined Well, up. sorry. I mean, yeah, we were totally on board yeah, with that. To- that's yeah, exactly that's, why we picked it. Yep, exactly. Um, I think the concept of this book is fantastic, and I am always on board for an Austin retelling, especially one that delves into a different cultural setting. I also love that it included some of my favorite Shakespeare quotes. 
Plus, the cover is stunning. There were a couple little things that kept this from being a love for me. First of all, I work in HR. <laughs> I have no <laughs> doubt this kind of thing happens all too often, but I feel like we are supposed to believe that Claire is good at her job since she is Aisha's BFF. Unfortunately, her handling of the whole work situation was kind of terrible. This is HR 101, as Sheila's comments were very clearly racially, religiously motivated, and a realistic portrayal of a good HR manager, especially in 2020 Toronto, yeah, yeah. <laughs> would have entirely changed the rest of the storyline. I also didn't connect with the writing style, and something felt off to me. Maybe the result of trying to tackle too much in one story? I think the author might have done herself a disservice in trying to keep too close to some aspects of P&P. The first proposal happened too late in the plot here and didn't really make sense with these characters' developments. I really liked... I will agree and disagree. I think, like, it does take place really late, but I think his timing was awful for when he does propose and he does still say not great things and maybe that felt slightly out of character for him at that point but I think he was kind of still a little socially awkward yeah Yeah. and um so I I thought that it was as well placed as she could put it within the well and they did explain that he meant everything he said he just didn't say it very well yeah yeah um, okay, Natalie continues. I really liked Aisha and Khalid. I also loved some of the moments mentioned above when Khalid thought he was engaged to Aisha and was so sweet and romantic. I especially loved Khalid's path of self-discovery and his examination of his values and beliefs and how he wanted to live slash represent them. I rooted for them and am glad they got their HEA. Yes, likewise. Good, good comments. Um, and then finally, let's listen listen what to what jessica had to say about this book hi ellen and mom and all the other no yomos out there this is one of the jessicas i just wanted uh say what i thought about aisha at last i loved it i gave it five stars on goodreads i think that the um retelling of pride and prejudice was like the perfect amount of echoing the original, but not copying it exactly. There were so many moments where I was like, oh, I know what this scene is, or I know what she, you know, she did a really clever twist on this moment in Pride and Prejudice. So I thought that was really fun. Obviously, you know, you could tell who most of the characters are, but some of them were a blend of Pride and Prejudice characters, which I thought was really fun. And I just loved it. Um, I was worried that it would get slow because I've read Pride and Prejudice so many times, but it really didn't. And I also loved the Shakespeare references. So it was a win for me. I hope everyone else liked it. Yes, I think, yeah, like we loved it. And totally concur, obviously, because we basically said the same thing earlier. You mentioned about, all those things. <laughs> yeah, um, that, yeah, really clever, um, interesting adaptations to the Pride and Prejudice retelling. Um, Mom. Any final thoughts from you on Aisha at last? Here's my final thought. I want to have more people send in the voice yeah. things because I think those are fun. Yeah, likewise. Um, we get tired of hearing ourselves all the time. I get, yeah. You Even guys know everything we say is so magnificent. <laughs> but we, we finished reading all of the listener comments and I'm like, I need a drink of water. Like, geez <laughs> Louise. Um, okay, yeah. I think this one definitely was a win for us and um yeah it's like I said it's always gonna be hard to not 
sway me with a Pride and Prejudice retelling. That's my... You're a sucker for a PMP. That's my bread and butter. Um, okay, so those are our thoughts and some of your thoughts on Aisha Last by Uzma Jalaluddin. Uh, we would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, which is not your mom's Facebook group, our Goodreads group, our Twitter and Instagram, which are at not your mom's rom, or you can email us at not your mom's romance book club at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On May 11th, we will be discussing Wolf Gone Wild by Juliet Cross. Uh, for now, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about other Jane Austen retellings and adaptations, so stay with us. I'm Willow Astor, author and host of Living in the Pages, part of the Frolic Podcast Network. My show features best-selling authors in their latest work, but we also cover a crazy range of emotion, from the heartfelt angst of how reality seeps into fiction to the silliness of singing our favorite songs together. I love books and I love writers. It's an extreme thrill for me to chat one-on-one with some of my favorite novelists. I like getting to know them as writers and creative people and also as real everyday people. Moms and scientists, everyone's interesting in their own way. Some highlights for me have been chatting with Taryn Fisher, Kennedy Ryan, Colleen Hoover, and the absolute dreamy Paulina Simons. Join me every Thursday on your favorite podcast app. It's time for a break. It's time for a break. The break is when we do the news and mail. I tried to make it as annoying it's as possible. It's always worse when I'm sitting here with you. Yeah, I know. And I think, where did I go wrong? <laughs> Whatever. Um, okay, so just a couple announcements, I guess, more than anything. Uh, still, as always, join the Facebook group. That is where somebody did, like, a little write-up on the podcast, and they said, um, like, this one really does operate as a book club, and... Like, the most of the action takes place on the Facebook group, and yes, that is definitely... It's all true. Yes. Um, so, if you really want to be a part of the book club experience of this podcast, then definitely join the Facebook group. Um, we're doing those audio recordings. I would love to get more of you guys doing those, because um, I think it'll be a fun addition. Also, I think um, we're going to try and do something new in the next lineup where I think that having audio recordings of you guys rather than listening to my voice will be helpful. So keep that in mind. Speaking of the next lineup, oh, I should also say with the audio recordings, get them over to me however is easiest for you. Um, you can email them to us, the not your mom's romance book club at gmail.com. I have a Google Drive folder that I set up where you can also submit them there. Um, Whatever's easiest for you. If you have any questions, DM me or whatever, and I will point you in the right direction. Um, And then we are going to be starting to prep for our next lineup. So um, I will have a poll over on the Facebook group. If you would like to see an option on that poll, you can either go and add it or let me know somewhere and I will put it as an option on the poll. Um, So yeah, if you wanna have your voice heard on that, head over to the Facebook group and vote for what you would like to see on the next lineup. 
Anything I'm missing, Mom? I don't think so, Ellen. Okay. You've been a lot of help. Um, I, I try. I, <laughs> I, I really try to pull my weight around here. Yeah, I can tell. Uh, okay, we'll see you for the next break segment. Bye. Welcome back. With the obvious ties to Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, we thought it was obvious to just talk about our Pride and our Jane Austen retellings and adaptations and all of that, and some of our favorites and um, some of the ones that we're aware of. Here's the thing, you guys. Especially for Pride and Prejudice, there are so many book. Um, book retellings and adaptations. I don't think I've read that many, though. I think this oh might... Oh, my gosh. Have been that a- was, like... I went through a phase... This Where will that sh- was all you would read? This will shock you, but that was, like, all I read. <laughs> and so I haven't read a lot of I the newer... So yeah, I haven't read a lot of the newer ones, but um, Austin Land was a book first. I had read that book by Shannon Hale. Um, there's a book called Mr. Darcy's Diary, which is actually, um, that was one of my favorites back in the day. Um, an assembly such as this is like the first in a series that is Pride and Prejudice from Mr. Darcy's perspective. And that one is also pretty good. Um, Mr. Darcy Takes a Wife. If you ever wanted to read a lot of sex scenes between Lizzie and Mr. Darcy. Um, that's basically all that one is. Um, I It's not my favorite, but if that is if that sounds appealing to you, then check that one out. Um, then there's... So, yeah, Pride and Prejudice has a lot of them. Like, I, I even looked at a Goodreads list before um, I... Before, like, before this episode, and there are so many that like there's no way we could sit here and talk about them all um I've talked about these two before on the podcast but I will always give a shout out to these books by Melissa Nathan there's Pride Prejudice and Jasmine Field which is a modern um a modern retelling kind of set around people who are doing a Pride and Prejudice play and like Mr. Darcy is this big time actor that they have come in and direct the play and star as Mr. Darcy and then Jasmine Field plays Elizabeth Bennet in the play and um it's really good I love that one like the ending scene was I would get me all twitter pated um and then Melissa Nathan also wrote one called Persuading Annie which is a modern persuasion and um Persuasion does not get the love in the adaptations <laughs> or retellings department that I think it deserves because Persuasion is my favorite. I mean, I usually, if someone asks me what my favorite book is, I will say Persuasion. Um, and so I really liked that uh, adaptation of Persuasion. Um, so there's that. Um, what are the other ones? So Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, if you want a completely different... If you want to go bonkers. <laughs> yeah. So there's... The, I have not read the book, but I have... Yeah, I've read the book the and seen the movie. Um, I think the movie, like... Because, <laughs> you know, a lot of people were, like, not as happy with it when it came out. But I went into it expecting Pride, Prejudice, Prejudice and zombies, zombies. And I got... Exactly what, what you got. <laughs> you got the proposal and then she kicks his... <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I actually, for what it is, I liked that one. I thought it was fun. Um, Bridget Jones' Diary, which is a pretty popular one. Um, That's not, like, my favorite. It's not my favorite either. And I never saw the second one. I only saw the first one. Yeah. And um, and it was but like a bazillion years ago. But it does have Colin Firth in it. And it does. Back when he was pretty dreamy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and then Austin Land, which has the book, also has the movie. And we highly recommend the movie. Just three words. J.J. Field. Yeah. He is so dishy. And he also is in the adaptation of... Northanger North Abbey, which is our favorite, definitely our favorite Northanger Abbey uh, adaptation. Because, uh, like, the first one from the 80s is not as good. The one with him kind of, I think, captures the fun and frivolity of Northanger Abbey, which... Um, her and her stories. and Yes. Um, and I also think Northanger Abbey is underrated as a Jane Austen book because I I love that one. It was actually the first North I that was the first Jane Austen book I read because I had just watched Pride and Prejudice and I was in an English class where we had to read like outside books outside of the curriculum and then do like book reports on them. And um but the rule was you couldn't do anything that had a movie made of it, which was hard. <laughs> that yeah, was that is hard. Yeah. And so I had to ask her, like, this has a mini series from the eighties. If I promise not to watch it, like, <laughs> can I still do this one? And so she gave me permission to do that. And um so Northanger was actually the first one I, I read. And those are kind of like the only adapt well. I, I have my web series that I wrote uh, that is an adaptation of Northanger Abbey. Northanger Abbey. Um, and that's been talked about and posted <laughs> enough. Um, but there's not a whole lot of other Northanger adaptations that I'm aware of in an extreme sense. Um, Pride and Prejudice, in speaking of web series, has the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, which is very cute if you want a... Um, more digestible version of Pride and Prejudice. Um, I thought that they all did a good job with that. Um, Emma, there is this little movie that I've, I'm mildly aware of called Clueless. Um, <laughs> we were just going through lists on the internet of, of you know, 90s and early aughts teen comedies because that's my bread and, and we did one list and it didn't even have clueless on it and i was like this list is not it's garbage yeah you know, it was like the top teen movies. 40 it was like the top 40 yeah and it had movies. twilight and like other movies but clueless was nowhere on that list and i'm like well this list is hot garbage like <laughs> obviously this which is there's just no point in even having it's it. credibility is shot to hell because like, we got through the whole list i said what do you think number one is and ellen's like it's got to be Clueless, because Clueless hasn't come up yet. And it was Mean, mean Girls, Girls, which is like, okay, I get the merit of Mean Girls, but where the crap is Clueless on <laughs> <Yeah>. this list? <laughs> yeah, I was very angry about that. Um, but as a, I, I think it's hilarious when, when people like discover that Clueless is a retelling of Emma. Like they see Emma after they've seen Clueless, and they're like, oh, this is Clueless. <laughs> I'm like, well, and the names are even somewhat the same. Yeah. And- um, yeah, love Clueless as a movie and as a Jane Austen retelling because it's such a bonkers Jane Austen retelling that it's moi. Yeah. Um, 
Emma, they have, there's like three that I'm aware of that are, I mean, there's a lot of like BBC old ones, but there's the, um, there's the Kate, well, I guess four, Kate Beckinsale, Kate which Beckinsale. was pre-Gwyneth Paltrow, which was followed by the Romola Grimaldi one that was on BBC. I don't know that one. I'm not familiar. Uh, it's got Johnny Lee Miller. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm um, with, I'm with you. Okay. And then, um, but the Gwyneth Paltrow one was before that one. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah. Okay. And then um, the newest one that just came out, which was delightful. Yeah. Which I highly recommend. I loved it. And I don't know if it's just because it feels like it's been a while since we've had a new Jane Austen adaptation, but um, I. It was loved- a perfect blend of quirky fun and. Yeah. And it really captures, I think. I think I think that that one did the best job of capturing that Emma is actually kind of not a great person, <laughs> yeah. and um, but it still was fun, and it I thought did a good job of redeeming her, and um, it was all sweet and funny and swoony, and I thought it I thought it was great and beautiful to look at. Mm. It really yes. made me want to go back to England. Um, Mansfield Park. Yes. So there's the Francis Conroy one, which also has Johnny Lee Miller as Edward Bertram. And then there's the Billy Piper one, which came out not too long ago, like 2007. Um, Those are both good. Mansfield Park is not my favorite, Austin. I have a harder time... When the hero and heroine are actually like first cousins or whatever, I, <laughs> which I mean, is very. Much- I get that it happens. I get that it was a thing, but it's not something I'm interested in reading about or yeah. watching. Yeah. And uh, Mansfield Park is straight up that. Yes. So that, it is very much that. Um, yeah. So it's not my favorite, but I I do think that those are both um, credible adaptations in their own way. Um, sense and sensibility. I actually, um, just earlier this week, I watched Sense and Sensibility with Dan Stevens, the newer one, and then I watched Pride and Prejudice 2005 with Colin Firth. Wait, Colin Firth was in a Pride oh, and Prejudice? not 1995, not 2005. Sorry, I'm getting my... Colin years. Firth was in a Pride and Prejudice? I don't know if you're aware, but yes, he was. Oh, I have to check that out. <laughs> um, oh yeah, we haven't even talked about those yet. Um, <laughs> Sense and Sensibility... I still hold the Emma Thompson one. Emma Thompson, that final scene in the Emma Thompson one where she finds out that he's like not married and everything. And it's like, the, and her, her oh. acting, her, <laughs> her acting in that is Academy Award winning. Yeah. I love it. Well, and um, and Kate Winslet is a great Marianne in that, and it's all good. Hugh Grant like never. I'm not done a big Hugh Grant fan, me. but. Um, He's just, but he is very charming in that. And Alan Rickman, R.I.P. Yeah, is a great Colonel Brandon. But I do, um, I do think that the newer one is also good. And I mean, that ending. I was telling mom that ending scene will always get me, no matter what form it's in. But just that whole like when she starts breaking down crying (laughs) um, is great. Sense Sensibility, there's actually a lot of, like, really crappy, there's, like, a Hallmark Sense Sensibility, which is awful, and then there's um, this, like, From Prada Donata, which is not very good either. Um, Then there's one that's called Sense, like, a smell sense and sensibility, and that one is also not good. Um, So I've actually seen a lot of not good 
uh, <laughs> sense sensibility. Um, but back to Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice. So there's a lot of freaking Pride and Prejudice there adaptations. Are. Um, we've already talked about a lot of them, but 1995. That is our. Oh my gosh. Go to. Yes. Um, and that, I mean, that is... I think it's everybody. I think it's the quintessential Pride and Prejudice yeah. retelling. It's, well, and it's, I mean, I think everybody is always going to be drawn to their gateway drug, and that was my gateway drug for Jane Austen. Right. And, um... And the Karen Knightley one is good. And honestly, a lot of times I'll watch the Colin Firth one, and I'm like, that makes me want to go watch the Karen Knightley one. Because, honestly, I think that I will give credit where credit is due, I think the 2005 one is much more sweeping and beautiful. And like when mom and I went to, um, went, first of all, I love the music in that 2005 one. Like when I was in college, I would go to sleep to that and my roommate would be like, are you going to your happy place? I'm like, yes, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I'm zoning out. Um, but the, uh, the music is beautiful, and like when mom and I went to England, uh, first of all, we went to both Pemberleys, and then I had like an eat, pray, love moment where I took a hike and I went up to the rocks where she stands in the 2005 one, and there's like this beautiful sweeping music, and I listened to the soundtrack, and I just had my like Pride and Prejudice. And it was crazy windy. It and was, you, and you so came down windy. the hill. You came down the hill with. Just you were a hot mess. But. I, I'll maybe I'll post. There's a video that I have of me on these cliffs where I'm like I'm almost as beautiful as Karen. <laughs> so close. <laughs> well, and I had been hiking, so I looked <laughs> radiant, um, unshowered, and and sweaty. Yeah, it was cute. Um, but so and the there's moments in that 2005 one where, like, I think it much more captures the like sexual repression and like energy that is just like pinging between the two of them like there's the moment that always gets me is when he like helps her into the carriage and then he walks away and like flexes his, his hand, hand. I'm so like Ugh. I mean how many times have we read in a romance novel where I could feel his heat I could still my fingers were still tingling from where he touched me and it's like ah. and that's the visual for that <laughs> so I have a funny story about the 2005 one that I just remembered so it came out and you know everybody loved it and um the the ending is not true to pride and prejudice but it is still good yeah. when they're sitting, sitting in front of pemberley and they're smooching on each other and saying like you must call me mr darcy uh, or mrs darcy and all that stuff and um you know we all love it and then when it came out when i was in college and there, like, there was a little theater on campus that showed the movie before it was coming out on DVD. And we were like, yes, amazing. So, like, the theater was packed with all these college girls that were obsessed with Pride and Prejudice. And my friend and I went, and it turns out that they had gotten a DVD from England, and that was what they were showing earlier. Little trivia... The England version of the UK version of that movie is different than the American version. Oh. It doesn't have, it ends with her talking to her dad, and it doesn't have that like Mrs. Darcy scene. Really? And so when it ended, everybody was like, What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> there was 
you've never seen an angrier group of like (laughs) 20 something girls. It was hilarious. Um, anyway, so I'm trying to think. Okay. So then there's Bride and Prejudice. Um, which I think is, I, I thought it was really cute. It has the guy from Virgin River. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> um, and I liked the, like, kind of musical Bollywood aspects yes. of that one that are fun. fun. Um, what Pride and Prejudice ones am I, I know I'm missing, oh, well, no. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, there's a lot that I think can kind of, I mean, like, I know You've Got Mail kind of gets included in that conversation sometimes because love to hate, and then they talk about Pride and Prejudice in that oh, yeah, movie. Um, she's, she's reading Pride and Prejudice. At yeah. The... Um, but I think we're due for another Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Come on, someone <laughs> with more <laughs> talent than us. Get on that. Everybody's always like, oh, we haven't talked about Persuasion, which oh. is my favorite. Um, you did too talk about persuasion. We talked about the book, but we haven't oh. talked about um, oh the movies. The movies. Oh gosh. So there's the Syrian Hines one from With Amanda Root, 1995. Those jacked up teeth, by the way. Yeah, it's so that one is very like I don't recommend that one to a lot of people just because it's very quiet and it's very like it's very unassuming. But it is the most faithful of the persuasion. And the end is fabulous. The, I mean, well, the end is perfect. It's a perfect adaptation of the actual ending. And I live for the ending of persuasion. And so I like that one because it is way more faithful to the book, which I love. Um, the newer 2007 one with... Uh, uh, Rupert Penry Jones. Oh my gosh! And Sally Hawkins. Um, it is I think more palatable. I hate the ending. Yeah, the ending's not as good. I do not like the ending. They ruin it. <laughs> so that is my beef with, um, with that one. However, Rupert Penry Jones. Rupert Penry Jones. <laughs> so he's uh, there's like a making of thing. For that, where, like, the male director, who is obviously of a certain persuasion, calls Rupert Henry Jones, like, sex on legs. And I'm like, yeah, that's perfect for him. <laughs> well, that scene where he comes in out of the rain oh, into gosh. the shop where she is. We might need to watch Persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, oh, gosh, just look at him. Look at him. Um, I, I just, I love Persuasion. I think that I do not like that one because it ruins the ending, which I think is perfect. And um, I hate the whole, like, running after him thing. I think the ending as it is is perfect. Um, Anyway. Um, So, yeah. I think that's all that we can say. Uh, I would love to hear what y'all, what your favorite of the adaptations are. Pick one for each of the books. I don't care. Or pick some retellings that you like. Let us know about some retellings that I didn't mention that you guys particularly like. Um, yeah, we, I, I think we need to go watch one right now. Yeah, I think that might be on, on board. I'm on, let's Being as it's like late Sunday night. <laughs> we don't have a lot of time. Yeah. Plus you got to edit all this stuff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so thanks so much for joining us. Again, if you'd like to join us on May 11th for our discussion on Wolf Gone Wild by Juliet Cross, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at NotYourMomsRom or on Facebook or Goodreads or email us at NotYourMomsRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show and we just love to read them. I would like to say one thing. I'd like to give a shout out to my husband because a couple days ago with our 38th wedding anniversary and I was here with Ellen. I wasn't home with my husband. And as much as I dog on him, he's a delightful man and I'm lucky to have had him for 38 years. Yeah, that's crazy, 38. I know. And I still look this young. Yeah, it's incredible. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes, shout out to dad and my parents marriage in general um because <laughs> you wouldn't be here that's true i wouldn't all right uh see you next time mom okay i'll be here well and i'll see you in a couple minutes too. <laughs> bye not your mom's romance book club is part of the frolic podcast network you can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts